0: Good morning, Boston. What's happening? Welcome to The Boston Podcast, this city's only independent daily podcast (coughs) that I know of. There might be another one. I don't know. There are um, half a million podcasts out there. People, I can't sh- keep track of all of them. So do your homework. And if you find another daily podcast in Boston that isn't affiliated with some old uh, you know, radio conglomerate or TV conglomerate or whatever, then shoot me an email at david at pod617.com. And you know what? I'll put it on our website. How's that? How's that for a challenge? My guests are already chuckling at me and embarrassed by me, which is a great sign, I suppose. Um, At least they're awake. So, again, welcome to the uh, Boston Podcast. Pod617.com is where you find all of our podcasts. And if you'd like to do a podcast of your own, get in touch with us, just go to that website. There's a whole bunch of buttons, people. Figure it out. So here we are, and I have um, two guests. And this is uh, cool because I, I haven't done anything kinda Like this, we're gonna do a show that touches upon a lot of cool stuff about our city, about diversity, and who knows where else we will go. So please welcome uh, Paul and Lillian. Welcome Paul and Lillian to the show. Uh, Thank you. uh, That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, in that case. Okay. There we go. So um, to be clear these we love to, f- to feature um you know professionals of every ilk on the city the leaders of our city and before i'm done you will realize that paul and lillian absolutely fit into that category so paul lamb is in the biotech business he's a consultant and consulting uh, by the way in industries including the ever-growing cannabis industry mm-hmm, right that's correct. yeah growing like a weed thank you <laughs> I'll be here all night try the veal and then we have Lillian Hung, who's a uh, business owner and um, and Dave forgot to turn off his mail notifications so once again the crazy unpredictable world of the Boston podcast okay I'm done seriously no more shtick um, so Lillian owns her own business, Lyra Vega Bridal, and I've met Lillian before. You were a guest on a podcast on this very network, The Bitchless Bride. I was. Shout out uh, Deb DeFrancesco. De Did you have Woo! fun? Did you yeah, have fun that, that was
2: day? great. I mean, I'm back, so
0: right. So, yeah, um, <laughs> not too scared off, exactly. right? And if Deb didn't scare you off, then I know we're doing something right. I guess because <laughs> she can be scary. Um, so to. To be clear, to be to give you a little bit of background, I guess you know I got introduced to Lillian Paul, and and they had an idea uh, about this city, which might give rise to a podcast. They're talking about it. We're in we're in negotiations. Our <laughs> people are talking to their people, but more important, like I kind of want to talk about the issue today, and it's about the Asian American community here in Boston. Um, Boston, you know, uh, this is not a this is like a captain obvious observation, but Boston hasn't always had the smoothest, smoothest, sailing when it comes to race relations. We all know what I'm talking about. And, you know, debates have gone on and politicians have made speeches. And let's face it, it's better, but it's never quite right. And a lot of times I think the Asian American community isn't talking isn't talked about as much as the black community. And why not? So you guys came to me with like what was the sort of nugget of an idea? Just just how Asian American uh uh, young people advance in the professional world, that was part of it too, right? Or, or the circles that you travel in? Or save me here before I go straight <laughs> off a cliff, yeah. guys. No, so I yeah, think tell me, Lily.
2: It's all it's all kind of interconnected, right? You can't dissect each category into its own. So for for me, um, it really started from the professional standpoint because that was such a personal experience of just challenges I faced feeling, challenges I felt like I was facing because I was Asian American. And so that, where
0: did you, sorry to interrupt, no, here no. I go again already. Where did you grow up?
2: I actually grew up in, maybe that's like a good thing to talk about, yeah, our yeah. background a little Start bit, there. but I grew up in Taiwan. Okay. I moved here when I was 15, mm-hmm. so I am someone who um, you can refer to as a fob, which mm-hmm. is fresh off the boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And... I Yeah, and then I've been in Massachusetts So you And you
0: came, you came with your family? Your, your parents came over with you? No. I, no. Came,
2: I came and I stayed with my aunt and my grandma. So okay. I, I spent my high school years with them. I went to college. Um, and then my sister came. And but you
0: said 15, right, when you came 15. over here? 15. Mm-hmm. So what was the, the specific inspiration for coming at age 15?
2: So I, I was actually born here. So my parents, growing up, they just always knew that they would send me back for college. okay. And um, in in high school, it was... In Taiwan, you have to get tested into high schools. And depending on how well you do, you could go to a really great school or maybe not so great school. Mm. So there was a lot of pressure as a middle school kid to just get tested into an awesome high school because that's kind of where your future would lead. That sets your path. Yeah. yeah, So uh, my parents, they just knew that I wouldn't be attending college in Taiwan anyways. Might as well just set me here, not have me deal with all that pressure Mm -hmm. and get a head start on the language piece of things so I could do better in college.
0: So you didn't speak English?
2: I spoke some English.
0: Do they teach English in Taiwan? So they
2: teach it like you would here, like in high school for a second language. We start in middle school. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: Your English is awesome. Thank you. So you never would know. Um, But you didn't go to college at age 15? No, I went to high school. So (laughs) I
2: I did three years of high school in Westford, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. Westford Academy. and And then I went to UMass.
0: I thought I knew the whole state... I got to admit, I'm, I, I, as I think about it, I'm not sure I know where Westford is. Is it uh, uh, middle Estate, Well, uh, mm, Western Mass.
2: It's north of. I wasn't even close. It's like next to Lowell. Mass. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Lowell is nice this time of year, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling Westford is nicer. No, I was trying to be funny. <laughs> Lowell. <laughs> low, low, well, you grew up in Taiwan, so you may not know that Lowell. Didn't, wasn't always known as a picturesque place. It's fine. Hey, we love you in Lowell. We love you everywhere. It's <laughs> I was fine. just
2: in Lowell yesterday and it's yeah. actually... Lowell is a lovely place. It's came a long yeah. way yeah. Yeah. since our high school years. It's, an, it's yeah. an
0: up-and-coming town and it always will be. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> I've, I've actually heard good things. Listen, I, gotta, I can't
3: do this anymore. i
0: <laughs> <here. laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'm slamming down my headphones. No, um, I'm sorry, Lowell. Please accept my apologies. I don't spend a lot of time there. I used to go... I used to visit it the Lowell. ignorant. No, yeah, well, uh, you have no idea idea, <laughs> <Good night. laughs> Let's move on before I start getting hate mail from Lowell. Um, so, Paul, give us give us sort of that version of your yeah. background where sure. you grew up, please. Um, I
3: guess this is what makes our dynamic a little bit interesting, because we do have different di- backgrounds, even mm-hmm. though we both kind of identify as Asian-American at this point in our lives, right? right. Um, and uh, quick tangent, even my parents identify as Asian-American, which was Provoked a pretty funny conversation this past Christmas when we brought that up. We're like, "How do you identify? Are you?" Because they were they were actually first generation immigrants. They were born okay. overseas, and like it was hard for me to imagine them. Like I was fighting for my Americanness right off right. Of my upbringing, and I'm like, "My parents like they never had a shot. They must not e- ever consider themselves, you know, even." Somewhere. And now they consider and now themselves. They, they identify more with the American culture. Oh, with, than they would even with their places of origin, right? Which is yeah. it is pretty unique and kind yeah. of special, right? Like that's part of what makes America so accessible, and that's I think a more yeah. real part of the american dream than even like the white picket fences and all of that right it's like well, this y- idea of being able to gain this identity yeah. and be like really assimilated into something that's like you know you can call your own your yeah. children can call their own that kind
0: of thing i do find that very interesting mm-hmm. and the the word the word identify has taken on I, they must be ripping up dictionaries uh, across <laughs> the state because the that word identify has taken on a new meaning and you know i think it, you know it started with the transgenders mm. and Legitimately, so of course, and so we need that word now. Identify, mm-hmm. I identify as a male. I identify as a female, but it, I notice it getting used across all. And and why shouldn't you be allowed to mm-hmm. identify with a country that sort of more speaks to you? I mean. My brother, Adam, uh, grew up in the Boston area, moved to San Francisco, smoked a couple of joints, joined a band, and he's not coming back. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> he's done other things, too. He's a teacher, sure. but he identifies as a Californian, I can assure mm-hmm. you. More to the point, if, uh, the, a country, your country of origin can be a source of pride, but the country where you ended up with sure. can be a great yeah. source of pride.
3: And there's so much in between, right? It's not just about where you reside or where you were born, right? Like what makes up a person and what this idea of beyond identify, I want to say identity, right? Right. is, Is like so big, right? And I guess that... Gets back at why we sparked, what sparked this idea for what we're talking about. Thank you know? for bringing us back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually got distracted myself.
3: I was supposed to talk about background <laughs> and all that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm more of a traditional Asian American in the sense that my parents were first-generation immigrants. I was born here in the States already. I grew up here in the States, uh, primarily in New England. Okay. Um, my family has scattered.
0: What town? What towns did you live in? So I,
3: I grew up in Andover. Um, sure. And I spent a lot of time in Boston as well, just because I uh, had some connections there too. Cool. Um. But my family at this point in our lives has basically uh, settled into three, now I guess four parts of the country. Um, Here in Boston, um, in New York, New York City, um, specifically Brooklyn, and then there's obviously a huge Asian community in Queens. Um, And then in the San Jose slash Silicon Valley area where there's, you know, there's just a huge community of Asians there as well. Mm. And then most recently, uh, my parents are migrating down to Irvine, which is like one of the first planned city in the States, but also um, r- close proximity to LA and the OC and all that, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of my experience of America, right? Like right. Those, those specific areas, when it comes to the Midwest and areas in the mm-hmm. South and stuff like that, I'm much more limited in my exposure to what like, you know, societal and Asian American dynamics are there, but.
0: And I imagine those four pockets that you mentioned mm-hmm. that, you know, that despite the fact you're in different geographical areas the you know, common threads, run through those communities, with the exception of the group in Brooklyn that immediately went to a little uh, crafty coffee shop and all put <laughs> their true, hairs yeah. in ponytails yeah, and man buns and pride, started yeah. pushing their kids through the park <laughs> and talking it. about jazz music and playing vinyl. <laughs> Screw you, hipsters. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just
3: kidding. very strongly
0: about yeah. this. Um, Shout out to my cousin Jeff in Brooklyn who fits, fits <laughs> uh, all go. of that. He's got this red jufro and fancies himself a hippie and <laughs> i guess he's way more hippie than i am but we digress so um tell me more so mm-hmm. so you land here and um are we up to the part of the story where we start talking about <laughs> <laughs> where are we yeah. um, the point is age seven born ahead, and bred
3: new england normal upbringing i could be white if i was an asian kind of thing right like yeah
0: (laughs) so let me ask you so you so you hung out so right starting kindergarten right up through high school you're you're uh, in public public school okay and are you hanging out with other asian american kids or not necessarily i think that
3: really settled in in my middle school and high school years Um, okay for whatever reason I, i mean i think all right so this is where we're getting at some interesting stuff yeah so I think. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. All sorry. that All
2: right. before was nothing. <laughs> uh,
0: first 12 minutes of the show.
2: Sorry.
3: <laughs> well, no, but
0: I agree with you because I know where you're going with this. I, I guess so this is where the going. perspective yeah.
3: becomes really unique and subjective and like for experience and how it's lived really like starts to shape and have these like formative things. Right. So mm. it's like we um, we are smaller. Right. We're Asian American guys. Um, maybe our parents aren't. We don't have this like lineage of like, you know, um, like uh what do we call them, Anglo Saxon or yeah. that kind of like um so I think coming to the States we, Wait, you mean physically? Small? <laughs> physically you literally mean physically. Okay. Like, right, like, I wanted to make sure <laughs> that was where you're going. We're shorter. we you know, like, like a lot of, in a lot of cases. Well, that's not a, and that is absolutely not the case necessarily anymore, right? But like if you think about what our Paul, by the
0: way, is what I would call medium build. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're yeah. not small. So it
3: might also be a mentality thing, right? And that's something that we could explore as well. Sure. Right? Yeah. Just an attitude or whatever. Yeah. But I think that kind of I think we always saw ourselves as at least I saw myself. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Um, and maybe those of my direct peers who have had these kind of conversations with. Uh Um, but like we saw ourselves as different and distinct from like the vast majority of our peers. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think I don't really, I don't, I think until I met Lillian, I didn't really understand what it meant to be like a minority and to carry a minority mindset. Right. Because like, that's just the world that I was born into. That's the perspective that I was dealt. You know, like Mm -hmm. you don't really, it's hard to see outside that until you're given, I guess, an alternative. So you
0: always knew you were a minority. I I saw it. You saw it, of course. But, but. It didn't didn't carry it around da- well, daily. I guess, or I'm
3: th- in hindsight, like thinking about it, maybe like the aspiration was always to not be that, right? Like yep. that was kind of the goal that we were told, or that I sort of understood was important, right? To assimilate fully. My parents wanted me to like go to American schools, to speak English properly, to, uh, (laughs) love it, (laughs) to, uh, you know, to like find a normal job and just like try to live like their conception of what the American dream is. Because in a lot of ways that was what they were pursuing when they came here, right?
0: Yeah. So, and maybe one of the reasons why they take pride in being American, as you mentioned mentioned earlier, is that that, um, at some level it shouldn't matter at all. At at some level there should be opportunities for everybody. Yeah, I think so.
3: And it's not that they weren't like they didn't h- like highlight or emphasize things like culture and mm-hmm. and bringing like ma- like keeping things and traditions that that they thought were valuable, et cetera. But I think it was we just there was just like an overarching idea that like we should try and uh, like be more in tune with the place that we were now living and that we were choosing to grow up and all this kind of thing, right? Like we should be more connected to, be more like, be more, you know, yeah. like we shouldn't stand out because standing out generally causes problems and creates like you know.
0: So you got to answer me one more thing before we get Please. back to Lillian. Who's waiting so patiently? Thank you, Lillian. <laughs> um, you, you di- I think you mentioned there was a moment where you might have sort of become more at one with the Asian American community. So you know, uh, yeah, you know, call it what it is, hanging out with with more Asian American people. And uh, like, tell me about that. What do you remember about it? Was I, it a conscious choice or maybe, or, or like a kind of a slow thing? I
3: what? think it was just slowly seeing yeah. like differences in, um, I, we call them West coast Asians and East coast Asians, right? Because <laughs> in West, uh, on the West coast, at least in the battle
0: will never end. I, Who, I think who's uh, your Tupac and who's your <laughs>
3: <baby>? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think on the West coast, they're just, it's such like a more densely Asian place. And I'm talking about all Asian cultures, right? Like we yeah. have more Japanese, more Korean, more Chinese, more Cambodian, all all of the, there's there's just a lot more Asians because of probably proximity to Asia and the Pacific. There you go. There there isn't the huge mass of the continent across. So like the I, one time
0: I visited Hawaii, I noticed a lot of Asian American people they, uh, I said yeah. to my, you know, my brother, my brother's like, yeah, you idiot. It's just think of how long it takes to fly from there and how long it takes <laughs> to fly. <It's laughs> yeah, just, right? It doesn't that like, complicated. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
3: But it just, I guess it's like the way that they approached each other, the world around them it, after spending time in California, after my parents moved out there, just like knowing, like seeing that there was a clear distinction in, in environment, how comfortable I felt in one place versus another. Um, okay. and it's like wanting to like give language to what exactly those differences were. And it's, o- it's over the course of that sort of like soul searching and trying to understand like what actually was causing me to feel this way that I started to like get curious about questions like identity and like, what do I actually, what am I actually connected to? And like, who are the people that I am most closely connected to, et cetera.
0: Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, uh, give you a comparison that is probably a. Clumsy one. So I apologize if this is uh, like a horrible thing to compare. But so I'm a Jewish guy, right? So, um, and I went to Milton Academy, which is um, a high school not known for diversity necessarily. (laughs) I mean, the history of Milton is let's just say all the dorms are named after people named Hathaway and Forbes (laughs) and Walcott. You know, those are literally names of three of the. The boys dorms so I I started in ninth grade and so you start in ninth grade and I'm probably like what 12 13 years old something like that I don't know whatever um, but and um, so I'm meeting all these kids for the first time I'm coming from you know a, a, a suburb and I'm there I am in this uh, exclusive, very exclusive uh, private school and at first I I didn't give any thought to like who I was hanging out with if they seemed like a nice guy or a nice uh, girl I would hang out with them Um, by senior year I looked around and noticed most of the Jewish kids were hanging out together which and it was was a little weird for me because by blood I'm half Jew half Irish I'm Irish I'm Irish super confused but but guilt all guilt all the time but um hey, so right so but here's my point this is what it was a long way of getting there but um those are tough years you mm-hmm. know for 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 most kids it is tough to maintain your confidence and your your moral compass and always do the right thing when you're so consumed at least i was it by my own admission mm-hmm i um, concerned about fitting in and not being a horrible dork and maybe having a girl look at me once in a while, you know, and, you know. And so maybe either consciously or unconsciously, I just it was easy enough to gravitate towards those that were sort of like me. It, and so now you can tell me that, um, s- stop putting your no, projections that's a, that's on me, Dave. <laughs> that's, that's a perfect
3: like example. I think, okay. I think that's, uh, that's a huge part of it. And I think that's another part of, I, I think what makes. Well, I guess it, I guess that explains some of the hesitancy we've been having around like what is there new to say about our particular circumstances and what we experienced, you know? And I, right. I don't know if this needs to go on the radio and on the air on all. Of that. No, please, come, <laughs> on, come on. But just that, like, you know, like we we do live in a super PC world. We have spent the past few years talking about these things, and I think people are fatigued to some degree, right? Like. Like, we 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 know we understand identity is important. We, we understand giving name to injustices and, and, like, weeding out discrimination is important, right? But we've seen that kind of overshoot in a lot of regards and just end up becoming noise or creating a lot of, I don't know, issues that maybe might not have been there before, et cetera, right? Yeah. Not to say that it the, the that this should all be thrown out or whatever, but anyway, I'm sorry to get distracted. No, this is good. <laughs> this is good. I have something to add but, to this. Yeah, book. but I guess, like, when we talk about our Asian-ness, right, and, like, the questions that we have these days about, like, who are we connected to? What is what does it mean to be Asian American, right? Yeah. Is that even significant? Is it an identity that we want our, our children, our the, our peers, our colleagues to like kind of reinforce around and to feel strength and, you know is that even a good thing, right? Or does it just breed I don't know like more does that resentment toward other races, etc. Yeah. Right? Um, and I hear that like I'm hearing from you like you feel some degree of this just like being a being a jewish guy in milton or being a jewish kid in milton right yep. like and i'm sure that story can be told in countless different ways through countless different eyes right like of people who have any kind of i don't know who, yeah. are, who don't feel that when, feel fit in with whatever yeah. this like uh, presumed or imagined like majority might look like which probably in high school is the best is a good number of us the right? story was told yeah. <laughs> the
0: story was told at one point using a 1950s fable yeah, the exactly. movie was called school ties you It go. starred brendan Fraser exactly, and matt damon exactly. he and, was a jewish kid <laughs> to, i mean that was yeah, yeah but that was um, a powerful story. but i take your point but yep. but i don't know if you'd go this far but um you know in a way the asian americans and the jews might have something in common and it's this that it's not as if there haven't been the strife and oppression in the in the sorry uh, to our listening audience. I'm distracted because every day at 2:45, my son Adrian tries to FaceTime me, and when I'm just when I'm doing a podcast, I he it will ring on my computer, on my phone, and on my iPad all at the same time. So I feel like I'm at NASA and NASA and like we're under attack. And I keep look at this. Like, am I wrong? Mission control. You can see. Yeah, you can see, Yeah, there's Adrian. Uh, okay, Adrian, I'll get back to you. Good <laughs> back to you.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Chami De Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional. You should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust.
0: So, Paul and Lillian, both, you you tell me this is a stretch, but I was thinking Asian Americans, uh, the the Jews, my people, um, both have had, needless to say, moments of oppression in their past. That's an understatement. Mm -hmm. But both seem to be and again pardon the generalization but sometimes that's the way we do this they both seem to be doing pretty well in america so uh i listened to legendary podcaster adam carolla and he's often accused of racism and he says some things that might make you feel uncomfortable but what his usual point is don't don't scream oppressed just for the sake of screaming oppressed Mm -hmm. For, for example he'd say you know on a Uh, a bunch of uh, on the police force or the firemen or something people are calling it's not representative of the community we need to get you know minorities in there and he would say you'll notice that the Jewish community and the Asian American community isn't (laughs) screaming to get people on the police force because you know why because they're doing just fine and doing what and by the way cultures have certain ways they want to go you know it's joked about all the time the the Jew is a lawyer or a doctor the Asian American is a doctor or a scientist Mm -hmm. right um <clears throat> Again, they're stereotypes, so they can be bad. But um, I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> no, no, I guess I do. Like, but, but in, in a way that that uh, it made me think of it when you said, "Does mm-hmm. it even matter?" Yeah, because it, it's not as if um, you know doors are just shutting in your face. Mm-hmm. But it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. It's still a part of you. Lillian, save us here. <laughs> no, tell us. Tell us actually if your experience was similar to to Paul. You came over. You were on the verge of going to college. So Hi,
2: I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school. Okay, a sophomore in high school. My experience probably is quite different. I came I mean, I came as an immigrant. I came fully knowing that I'm entering a new environment, that there will be a lot of adjustments. Um, Westford is a white suburban like mostly very a white town. Mostly white, yeah. wealthy kinda well of, to do, yes. Yeah. Um town. And So I think within the school, there's probably less than 10 Asian students. And even then, I feel like I purposely didn't connect with them. I think that was something that I did up till (coughs) maybe like my sophomore year of college, where I didn't want to be pinged as like, oh, she's one of those Asian kids. Like I wanted to be... Just a regular and did person some in did school. some of the
0: other a- Asian kids indeed have a little click that you just decided not to necessarily
2: not have? in high school but okay. definitely in college okay. like I remember freshly that during orientation in college this guy came up to me and asked me where I um, where my dorm was and I I was living in the area where like. There's a there's an Let area. Let me guess.
0: They called it Chinatown. <laughs> <is> that, <laughs> right? That's yeah. yeah. They so
2: call it Chinatown, That's up. They do. Well, yeah. So I did it. I purposely chose not to live in the Chinatown area because I didn't want to do that. And yeah. so when he found out, he actually got mad at me. He was like, like, why are you not staying with your people? kind yeah. of thing, you know? And like, why are you living with all the white people. Yeah,
0: yeah right.
2: <laughs> sounds so bad.
0: Yeah, no, no, but that's... This, yeah. is, this is what we're here to talk about, right? Sure. I mean, it's, yeah. in, it's interesting to me. Um, yeah, the, the only thing I can compare to these days is there's a, there's a running joke. I think it's, it might be Al Franken's joke. He says, for some reason, if you're Jewish and you're a male... You get to a certain age you need to talk about israel all the time (laughs) and i have these friends i will admit this i have these friends on facebook and everything else they constantly talk about israel and how we have to support israel and i don't mean to be cold-hearted but i don't care nearly as much as they do like yes I, i i've been to israel it is an amazing spiritual place i love hearing the history of the jews and how they fought for that land but it's not my entire being. It's not my everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that's far afield from what you're talking about. But so you go to college mm-hmm. and you don't know where Chinatown is and you don't care. And um, I
2: know and I care. And that's why I avoid it.
3: You, okay. <laughs> Even better. Wait, that, that's a Even significant better. distinction, right? Because it's like we do overthink. We interact. We, we Yeah. Like right. These things are like hardwired into us. That's right. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, agreed. 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 Um, and so what was the rest of your college experience like uh, similar? So you, you made your own way. You, did you belong to like student, uh, minority student organizations? Yeah. Like that? So
2: that cha- kind of everything changed in, um, and I, I kind of pride myself in assimilating pretty well. Like mm-hmm. you, you've mentioned that my English is, you know, pretty good and you it's wouldn't, brilliant. you wouldn't know that I came at the ripe old age of 15. Yeah. Um, so that, that was something that I was always proud of, and I didn't want to be associated with We've been with fooling
0: like, you all along. Lillian is actually from <laughs> South
3: Boston, okay? So <laughs> totally
0: you can't like. you can't see her because it's a podcast.
2: She, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I always, you know, didn't want to be associated with, like, the international students who couldn't speak English well and, you know, that hang out and just speak their own language to each other and all got that kind of stuff. But then in sophomore year, I got connected with the Taiwanese Student Association. And it's like, all of a sudden, I feel myself again. I feel wow. comfortable with this group of people, even though I've been, at this point, striving for four years to be something different. Mm-hmm. And then that was kind of the point of no return. And from, there, from then on, now I mostly have Asian American <laughs> <friends>.
0: <laughs> So, okay, so, but explain that. Like, the, d- d- like... It, there's a little something counterintuitive to it because you were so um, independent, right? And to the point, w- and, and now, um, so tell me why it isn't just you? Kind of went, nah, screw it. It's easier to hang out with all these.
2: maybe. Age- maybe <laughs> it is that too. It, there's less to explain about who you are, and right. you know the nuances of things, and like when you can tell jokes in a different language and people get it. Like sometimes it hits a different. Heart level, sure. Um, so maybe it is as simple as it's like when it's I tell when easier. I tell jokes
0: in Pig Latin, it goes over some people's heads. <laughs> like, okay, don't get that, or you know, or um, in Vulcan, or okay, sorry, terrible joke. Um, so. Um, you
3: calling Chinese Pig Latin. No, <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> Dave. Well, well played.
0: <laughs> well played. I'm throwing myself out of the studio. I'll see myself out. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Boston Podcast, but everybody. You
3: get it. it can yeah. be weaponized, right? And like, I absolutely. I, just, I feel absolutely. like we need to be careful of that. You know, it just there's. Just, it should serve a purpose. Like, what is the mission here? What are we trying to do? You know.
0: So, tell me what we are trying to do in terms yeah. of the. Bo- you guys are both very impressive credentials professionally, even though you're. I don't know if you care to say how old you are. They look they look super young, I'm but I'm an old guy. No, it's <laughs> totally not. Wow. Doogie Hauser. No, you guys are in your 20s still? No. We're in no, you're in your 30s. Oh, they, you guys well look awesome for 30s. your 30s. Uh, you're still babies. Anyway, so. Um, and you're both kicking ass professionally, but tell me about this city and tell me about the what what the Asian American community means to you and like what's great and what's kind of still screwed up
2: so I mean I think we've talked about this before Paul but um we've talked about how Boston does look like a very diverse city because we do have you know all these amazing colleges and a ton of international students so when you're just when you're taking a picture of Boston and you're looking, like we have a beautiful Chinatown we have all these different cultural um, hubs, if you might Mm -hmm. say. But then like the people in power and the people who have authority are still majority white.
0: No, Lillian. (laughs) No, Lillian. You... You 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 walk into uh, the House of Representatives in, up on uh, uh, Beacon Hill, mm-hmm. and you want to talk diversity. You take a snapshot of like four of these four or five of these politicians. I guarantee you, you will have one from East Boston, one from <laughs> yeah. South Boston, one from Cambridge, one from Revere, and maybe even one from Lynn. If that's not diverse enough for you, oh, <laughs> did I mention they're all white? Yeah, and men. Uh, so. Agreed.
2: So I think that's where the diversity of Boston can be sometimes deceiving because we do have kind of the infrastructure for a lot of diversity. But then... um,
0: Do you have a mentor, whether either professional or personal, someone that's around here that is Asian American? Is that a stupid question? That's a great question. I would
3: say that it's probably the case that neither one of us nor many of our peers have someone in their lives that right. they would look at in that way right right i don't know what the significance of that is
0: can you pull the mic a little closer it's sure. going to get even more significant once you do that thank you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i told you guys i'm constantly worried about the yep. sound do you guys hear that Uh no, it's in my head never mind um sorry let's return so you were saying or did you finish that thought? I think I was finished. Did you finished that thought? <laughs> That's too fun. Okay. So, I think because but, but, but when we talked about this last, sorry, now I interrupted you, Lynn, sure. but, but when we talked about this last, I think you, you guys talked about um, doing some mentoring yourself, because now you're at a point where, mm-hmm. you know, if there, there are people in their 20s who are just coming out of college, yeah. and, uh, you know, if they see you and a bunch of your friends who, you know, to be blunt, look like them and are kicking ass that's meaningful right and that and that that make them feel more at home i mean i guess we do need that don't we lillian she's look she's looking at me a little quizzically i'm just talking about having role models (laughs) (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) yes no i think i think that's really important and that's not to say that there aren't amazing professionals that are um like in the older age bracket like 40 to 50 that can be our mentors right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Like not that we have to start this revolution now um, because there hasn't been people before us. But I think as like when, when you're surveying the city as a whole, it it does feel mentors do feel less accessible. Like um, I used to belong to this professional organization NAP and they, the whole kind of premise of the organization, it's a national Asian American Professionals Association. According yeah. to so, Paul, it's the National
0: Association uh, of yeah. Asians. Yeah. No, according, <laughs> no. According to what you said earlier, it's a na- oh, whatever. Um, no, I don't want to whatever it. It's uh, it's, it's the, the
3: National Association for Asian American, American, American Professionals. Okay, yes. right.
2: And it's a national association, but the Boston as chapter, it sounds like. Yep. Yes, the Boston chapter is very strong. It's one of the strongest chapters. Um, so we do a lot, and the whole thing is just to m- kind of move all of us together up on the ladder of career and like putting asian americans in those corner offices mm-hmm. um and we understand that so much of that is done through uh, not just your credentials but networking um who you know and that kind of softer um unspoken mm-hmm. skills or resources and that's why you know this organization was started and that's also what you know a lot of the frustrations in the professional world, um, as far as I've experienced, mm-hmm. um, is like, that I've seen where there's lacking. Right.
0: So we used to. I used to work at Lawyers Weekly, the weekly newspaper for lawyers, as it sounds like. Thanks for the uh, obvious clarification, Dave. And um, so we would often have. Um, Meetings with the minority bar leaders, so the you know the leaders of the the, the lawyers, whether it's the uh, you know Black Lawyers Association, there was the Women's Bar Association, the Black Women's Lawyers Association, and then there was the Asian American Asian American Bar Association. Yeah. Anyway. So I just have – this is this is comic relief, if nothing else, but I just have to tell you this funny story. So the, my editor, um, Henriette, bless her soul, she won't mind me mentioning this. I hope not. If not, sorry, Henriette. She's still the editor over there, and she's uh, simply awesome in every way. But she did have one embarrassing moment. So the, there was a woman scheduled to – Uh, be interviewed by her. She was going to write this story about the minority bar, and so she knew this woman was coming in. I think it might have been this lawyer. Her name's Heidi Ho. And I'm sorry, if if you want to laugh, it's okay. I think she laughs too. Her name's Heidi Ho, so it sounds like like an old blues song, but that's her name. And so um, Henriette um, is waiting to meet this person, and so she's kind of walking through the office, and she happens through the lobby, and she sees this woman sitting there, and she's like, oh, so nice to, to see you, you know. And the woman says, oh, great, thanks. And, she, and Henriette says, oh, come on up. We're going to go to this conference room, you know, where we're going to do the interview. So she goes up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and a minute later, someone comes down to the lobby and says, hey, I'm— supposed to interview this woman for a position in circulation and i thought she was sitting right here and now she's not here anymore (laughs) she had the wrong person and she knew how bad it was immediately and although although you know i mean it's not like she's a bigoted person but it was just like that particular click in her brain said I'm going to go ahead and guess this person sitting uh, here is Asian American. Sure. And I guess it's a, a little bit of a commentary on if Boston were a little bit more diverse, maybe you wouldn't automatically
3: make it. I mean, I, that can happen totally innocently, too. Right. I was at a, at a supermarket and I was crouched by some boxes. Like, this was an Asian supermarket. That's important detail. Right. <laughs> this is right. Lowell. This isn't your favorite city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Lowell. Yeah, we love it. And I was crouched by some boxes that happened to be on the floor. And I was, like, looking for, I don't know, something, some kind of sauce or something. And there was a guy, a white dude. Um, he was basically like hey can you help me where are the peas or something like that and then i was like oh man sorry i don't work here and he totally freaked out like he, I, I i i presumed yeah. it was just like a you know i, I get it i'm to by some boxes you know like yeah yeah could have been, <laughs> yeah. been, been, right? been anybody but yeah. I, I felt like he had this like almost he he reacted kind of the, almost as if he knew that he had misstepped in some way or felt yeah. like that he had you know committed some atrocity in some yeah. way and i i don't know like i i don't like, i guess the advantage was in my ball in my court at that point and like i, yeah, I could have used true. that as a moment of indignance true. and righteousness yeah. and be like you bastard how could you advantage advantage <laughs> yeah, ball. Right. yeah, no,
0: yeah. R- well right but so like it's like the guy's impulse to freak is actually <laughs> that
3: was the comical part of the
0: experience. That, that's comical <laughs> and in a way not so bad mm-hmm. you know i guess we'd rather have that than some guy who says you know oh well you can see why I thought you were I mean (laughs) most of you people work in the market right you know um his impulse was to freak out and go, oh my God, that's so inappropriate. And I think
3: that's part of it. It's like the, like the education is there and people are sensitive. And I think for the most part, people do not go out of their way, walking around, trying to offend people that don't look like them. Right. Like I, I, maybe that's a presumption and maybe I'm deeply mistaken about the state of the world. Yeah. But for the most part, I feel like people are not racist just for the sake of being racist. Right. Like, and well, maybe that's totally untrue too. I, I feel I like... Was about to, just to make it worse, <laughs> I, I was going to say right. you haven't spent much time right, in Southie. Right?
0: Exactly. Just kidding, Southie. Just kidding, Southie. <laughs> um, well, no. I mean, I, I think what you said is totally fine. <laughs> I, I hope it's true. You know, It's the it's a weird thing. The answer to the question is we'll never know yeah, because so. because there are dumb racists and there are smart racists. Mm-hmm. And the smart racists don't let you know that they're racist. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've heard of... You know, there was the guy who was the owner of the Clippers, uh, Donald Sterling. I think I've got it right. Um, He was the guy who was caught on tape saying to his lady friend, why do you have to hang out with those black people, Mm -hmm. you know, in so many words, in so many words, Mm -hmm. and was ousted as owner. Um, And somebody put forth an interesting theory. It's like, so the guy's obviously a racist, and he's a dick, and who cares what happens to him? (laughs) But when it came time to hire a, a head coach to make his team the best, who did he choose? Doc Rivers, black coach, the best one on the market at the time, undeniably. So when when the chips were down and push came to shove, he did the right thing. He didn't say, "I don't care how great that coach is; he's a black dude. I'm not going to hire him." So racism comes in all. I'm not def- I'm not saying the guy's a great guy because clearly he isn't, but it comes in in different flavors, I guess I guess mm. you'd say, and. Um, that's in a way that that's it's scary because they're probably people never know but um, it made me think that um, so I have to flash back to law school for a minute pardon me oh my god Lily and Paul just both fell asleep I'm sorry guys <laughs> I'm sorry guys there is coffee out in the other have. room no but um, it's just a sort of interesting thing about Race that I learned in law school, and that is that when it comes to matters on a ballot, so when you go to for election, you go to vote on certain things like redistricting the school, or are we going to allow allow the sale of hard liquor in our town? Uh, Sharon said no, by the way. Sharon, (laughs) lighten up, would you? Can I please drive down to the center of town and get a thing of vodka every once in a while? Um, I guess not. Like every day, right? Right. (laughs) But the thing that my law professor taught me was. in theory anyway you never put anything regarding race on the on the ballot and i'm sure there have been exceptions there certainly was what well, i mean not race but uh, sexual orientation in california they the voters basically for a brief moment killed gay marriage in california um and i'll never forget what he said though people will vote with their dark urges they will go into the ballot booth and given permission to be racist as racist as they want to be you know um they will do it because no one can see them doing it because it's behind those those that black curtain. There's one right here. Mm. Um, so we have black curtains in the studio. It's amazing little moment there. You guys all missed it. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. um, I was dramatizing. But um, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah. And so the 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 bigger question becomes that I pose to both of you is how many of the people like in the city, for example, do you think have those dark, dark urges. urges? You know how ma- How many? Um, you know. Uh, two, percent, five percent.
3: Come on, Dave. Let's be honest about this. Well, go ahead. Really, right. And what do you mean by that? I think we we are indoctrinated into whatever it is that we grow up in, right? Like you are you are in some ways blessed, or also granted, or given, or bestowed a worldview, right? That is a product of your circumstances. Yeah. And a lot of the things that you experience through your development are like either coping mechanisms or survival mechanisms or like useful tools that kind of give you a better way at navigating the uncertainty around you. But in a lot of ways, they are also, I don't know, sometimes discriminatory or, you know, create these kinds of tensions and conflicts that when left unchecked can manifest into like something much deeper or let's say, call them dark urges or whatever you want to call them. So I think it's not like, we don't want to, again, I don't want to speak too broadly. It's like, I don't, but it's, for me, it's less about the man and more about the mission, right? It's like, We can spend all our time crucifying individuals for things that they say or things that they have said in the past or things that if they have said accidentally even, right? Like we can we can spend all our energy and effort in that endeavor, or we can be like, What is what are we actually trying to get at, right? Like what is the goal of making people more exclusive and understanding of other races and to be more accepting and those kinds of things, right? And so who inclusive. Inclusive.
0: Inclusive. Yeah. yeah. So who uh, are you saying who cares about the business executive? Who goes home and tells a racist joke to his wife, but then the next day goes to the office and hires three uh, minority candidates for a job because they were the best people? I don't
3: want job. to say who who does, who cares because that like dealing with those situations and circumstances are, is super freaking important, right? Like right. your organization Care- will die y- if you leave that stuff. Below. But better, <laughs> than,
0: but I guess better that than the reverse is what I'm saying. Which Be- is well, well, the re- <laughs> well the reverse is kind of hard to dream up. Uh, all I'm saying is, we all I'm saying is th- th- it. It represents some kind of positive turn to our society if we at least have people doing the right thing, even if they're. Fi- what you're saying is we've got some uh, bigotry ingrained in us, yeah. every one of us. Uh-huh. And and I would agree with that. You know, I when when I encounter a black person, I do not 100% say he's not. I, I don't I, I don't see black. Like it's not. I really hope I don't care whether he's black or not. Mm but I am conscious of him being sure. black. Mm-hmm. And so if someone makes a comment about like Tyler Perry or like the movie Get Out, I'll, I'll know that there's a black person next to me who probably viewed that movie a little bit different than I did sure. because of the way they're, so we're aware of it.
4: Do you dare enter Monsterland? You may not know that some 50 miles west of Boston sits what may be one of the most diverse and comprehensive paranormal locations in the world. If you listen to the Monsterland podcast, the secrets will be revealed to you. I'm Maddie Blake, actor, TV host, and believer, and I'm fortunate to be co-hosting the show with the author of the book known as Monsterland, Ronnie LeBlanc. Thanks, Maddie. Well, you said it, we're practically next door to the Lemster State Forest, a place that's had a decades-long list of strange phenomena, including UFOs, Paranormal activity, Bigfoot, strange sightings, occult, and military activity. Absolutely. And Ronnie, on the Monsterland podcast, we'll be joined by a murderer's row of experts from all over the world to finally figure out if these claims belong in the myth or Monsterland files. So make sure you listen, binge, and believe as each chapter of our mysterious journey unfolds. You can find the Monsterland podcast on pod617.com. The Mighty pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Join the passionate fans who we're already hearing from. See you soon in Monsterland.
0: But do you think if if some of these things are ingrained in us, is it our responsibility as humans to suppress them if they, if they, I'll try to give an example, you know, I mean the, this woman once said to me, she said "I it makes me uncomfortable to be around gay men and I'm like well, you're a bigot <laughs> or so I knew the, I knew the, I knew the person pretty well and I didn't want to let her off the hook and she said she said I know. I know it's wrong, but if I see two men embracing or kissing, it makes me feel horribly uncomfortable. And um <clears throat> so now let's hope that she's smart and evolved enough to, to not, you know, um, call a gay person the F word or fire somebody if, because they're gay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But do you see what I'm getting at here? Yeah, definitely. So what's the answer? Let's solve all the world's problems <laughs> right now.
3: I mean, I, this, this is a little bit of a tangent, but this is part of why I feel like our saving grace as a species, as like homo sapiens sapiens or whatever Ooh, we're at right now in the classification, yep. is yep. that we do die right? That we are <laughs> mortal, literally, in that, you know, we'll die along with all our foibles and our failings but the and, whole, but our, but and our racism and the, our, you know, and like the generations will move on and pass us and forget us and, and, and it's okay. Oh, you mean you know? what,
0: that every every generation that passes away, we yeah, see a little bit of progress? but that's
3: why, again, why the mission is important, right? Like, can we set up the structures and institutions or can we, can we educate our children? Can we, can we move us as a species toward a better world Forget ourselves. We're a lost cause. We are done, <laughs> dude. <laughs> like right, right honestly, out. like yeah. I, I, there's so much that's been like hardwired into us that we've been kind of immersed in that it's really hard to escape from, you know? And like I think I think we can manage it, which is kind of what you were asking, right? Like, can we suppress these urges? Can we still coexist, even though inside of us, for the most part, we do have a lot of these, like, you know, kind of nasty thoughts sometimes. Yeah. Like, and I think it is possible, and I think it's a worthwhile goal, right? But the long game, the long game for us to succeed and to, like, really do something bigger than ourselves. And again, this gets a little existential and you don't have to like care, like follow me through this. But I guess no, I'm with you. it's, it's, it's like, like, what are we actually trying to achieve? You know, and I think it is to create a better place. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah right. But
2: th- don't you think that there is also a short game where, mm. you know, the examples that Dave gave of leaders who are in position to hire diversely or to bo- be more inclusive in media and, you know, all that kind of stuff also feeds into the mission. So it's not just about educating our kids, but also doing what we need to right now. hundred percent, yeah.
3: And I think the, the calling out and the like, I don't know, let's call them like the public shaming and yeah. the, the things that we've seen a lot of in the, let's say the past five, 10 years, mm-hmm. I think they, they, they come from a good place can i can i can go I go on can i like sort of pause oh yeah that? like is that fair like i feel like
0: you might we, be giving them too much credit <laughs> <laughs> some true, of them anyway true. yeah some it's very of them. true and some of this can be i mean to shaming's actually, dangerous yeah, but i know right. where, but i know where you're going we with talk this about
3: weaponizing things all of that right like, yeah it's absolutely true but i think the reason that they are so compelling and the reason why we see public support and fervor and energy around these ideas is because they are grounded in like realities that we share which is that like you know there are abuses that are going on there are people right. that are seriously disenfranchised that are you know like their day-to-day existence is not at all what we would consider just on any level do you know what i mean yeah and did the, you
0: um go ahead. no i was just gonna say that reminded me of um uh on the subject of shaming there was a tweet from the president. Um, just yesterday i think and he <laughs> he tweeted i'm trying to find the actual uh, chapter and verse here so i don't misquote but it was about it was about the bible so of course you know president trump's favorite book is the bible and his favorite section of the bible is all of them. I can't pick one. <laughs> I just can't pick one. So, so you know, really I can't find it, the actual quote. So, you'll apologize. You'll uh, accept my apologies for paraphrasing. But what he said was certain schools allowing Bible study as uh, a possible uh, course in their curriculum. That's great. Looks like it's coming back, right? And some, I don't know who tweeted him back, but someone tweeted him back according to the Bible, you are going to hell for adultery.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> so I
0: guess where I was going with that was some shaming is good, especially if it's super, super funny. Um, That's the critical
3: factor. Right yeah. Here. It's got to be
0: funny. Yeah. Um, I had one other quick anecdote to throw in that you guys might find re- interesting or relevant or not, but it, it taught me that um, there are no uh, that there are shades of gray when it comes to you know, who you are, how how Asian you guys want to be, how Jewish I want to be or how Irish I want to be. You know, I went to Milton Academy, very, very stuffy, you know, mostly white, um, not all white, but mostly white, <laughs> uh, tradition anyway. And um, when I got to college, I went to college in Philly, and my college roommate is this Korean dude named uh, John Paik, who's awesome. And John, if, if by some weird chance you're listening, I miss you, buddy, call me. So um, we showed up, and I think he went to... He went to private school, I think, in Rhode Island, but not a super stuffy one like mine. Whatever, and so I go into Milton Academy. So I started getting invitations to these fraternities that were, these like the the oh my God, white as the driven snow, and like like say Saint Saint uh, somebody's society said so they weren't even they didn't even have Greek letters. That's how fancy they were. They were like Saint <laughs> Jean, Saint this and Saint that and Saint wow. there was a, a Saint Elmo's too, which I was like you know hey where's Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson, but um and so. I, and so the two of us, we didn't know – we of course, we show up. We don't know anybody, and we're looking to go to parties. We're, we're college students. We want free beer. And so I go, hey, you want to go to these um, these these fancy, you know, WASP uh, fraternities? I bet they'll have good beer. Sure enough, they did. Sure <laughs> enough, we went to some of the parties. Sometimes we even threw on a jacket and a tie to, to, play, to fit the role. And I was getting them because I went to Milton Academy. They had me on some list, and John was not – john ends up like one night i was like what are you doing he goes yeah, i'm going over to that saint whatever's thing and i'm like really like you like those guys he goes no 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 just the beer the beer's really good that's <laughs> it they go all right whatever see me later at this other place and so and then eventually he's like yeah i just got a bid to that fraternity and i'm like seriously he goes yeah i'm gonna take it i go dude that's fine but i'm just surprised and i ended up at the the sort of uh, mid-level Jewish guy fraternity. In other words, like, um, it, it's just sort of kind of a don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. He he was brought up um, in, uh, among, you know, the well-to-do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know whether he was in touch with his Korean roots or not, um, but it, he definitely, it didn't define him. And he was, he, he was you know, even though, I think part of them thought you're going to think it's weird that this Korean kid from Rhode Island is going to the St. Whatever Academy, but I feel comfortable around those guys. So I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So the moral of the story is um, guys, you can fill in the rest.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dave likes reminiscing. <laughs> Spot on, dude.
0: Spot <laughs> on. Well, yeah. Story, yeah. We'll be back with more of the Dave <laughs> show in a moment. No. Um, so, listen, we're, we're up against the clock. We had plans to do, like, more games and stick with Paul and Lillian, but things got real, man, I think.
2: Yeah. Bit. Right? A little bit, a little bit. Right? Yeah.
0: So, um, if, um, like, if you end up doing a podcast or whatever you do, I mean, I know, obviously, you're you're you're, you're giving some serious thought to the Asian-American mm-hmm. community. Adrian's calling me again. Great timing, dude. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, is there anything we sort of left out, like challenges or things you're, you're thinking about going forward? What do we? Where do we go from here? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess for me, it's... Like, wait, I had a better question. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Is it okay? <laughs> yes. Because that question wasn't very okay. good. That was so broad. Here's the question. Here's the question. If and when you guys have kids... Mm, no kids yet, right? No. No kids yet. Okay. If and when you guys have kids, do you think the advice that you give to them about how they treat people who look differently than them will be any different than the, you, the advice you got from your parents. And I'm not asking you to throw your parents under the bus. I'm just talking generation to generation. Cause you talked about that, right? Like mm-hmm. eventually the shitty generations die off.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it with a slightly less gen- shitty generation if possible. There you go. Yeah. Come in. <laughs> they did with, their job right. Right. Slightly less shitty. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's the best we can hope for, <laughs> man. But so mm-hmm. fair question. Good question. Very so fair, what yeah. do you think?
3: Um, I think absolutely yes, 100% so. And we have peers that are our age that have kids, right? And some of them are in their early teens at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see very mu- it's very much the case that the ways that they instruct their children... I mean, there are certainly things that are carried through generations, right? Like be respectful of elders and things like that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, But as far as regards to their own identity and being sensitive to other identities, I think there is absolutely... generations worth of education in that regard and it manifests clearly in the ways that they talk to their kids about like dealing with other races and that kind of thing and it's it's positive absolutely so at least in my experience
0: so your parents didn't necessarily get that deep
3: with you or well for them it wasn't it was it was black and white and literally, yeah, right? <laughs> like that's their experience of America. There are black people, there are white people, right. and then there's us, right? And right. I think they were just, again, they provided us with mechanisms to navigate the uncertainty. They didn't know much about it, but they did their best to kind of be like, hey, fit in, oh, and if those people are like too rowdy or not like, you know, you and like the, the people that we try to like like raise you up alongside, then maybe don't spend so much time with them, right? And right. like, those are the roots of these things. It's which not- wasn't bad, <laughs> it Which wasn't, wasn't bad advice. It totally was But what right. you, I think what you're yeah.
0: saying is what you You tell your kids future kids will be more nuanced I think so yeah
3: I I would hope so yeah Yeah. certainly
0: what about you as
2: a society I feel like we are all constantly getting more education and more awareness around how to treat people who are different from us with more respect so I feel Mm -hmm. like that like naturally that's Mm -hmm. just how it will happen I remember my um, when I was interviewing to become an RA when I was in college um, di- like the di- diversity is such a big thing in college right yeah. so I was asked like oh like how do you see different races and like my answer was so cheesy if it was today I would <laughs> never have been hired but I was like I don't see color I just see people you know and I got the job but I just feel <laughs> <laughs> like that would not be the case yeah. today because we have grown <laughs>
0: yeah it's sometimes it's hard to talk about which is why I'm glad you guys pushed me on a couple of things today and let's keep doing it in the future you know but um it's hard to talk about these things without sounding like it's pablum without because we've all heard those things and even if um you know even kids who grow up in uh families that with some bigotry in them you know they grow up watching sesame street and elmo telling them that everyone should be treated the same and at least they hear it but um but it can sound like pablum so it's tricky i'm glad you got the job though I mean, at least you didn't say screw diversity. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you will tell your kid, you just think your kids, it sounds like you said, your kids are going to learn inevitably better or at least think about this more than the previous generation did.
2: I think so. Can I ask
3: you how you do with Adrian? Yeah,
0: sure adrian only wants to sing bon jovi songs (laughs) and talk and run lines from the movie elf no um so uh totally fair question adrian has autism so and and i love him to death and i talk about him all the time so um the closest i came to a discussion about racism was adrian with adrian was when he saw the movie elf and for fans you will remember that there's one scene where uh, elf gets removed violently from the um oh no it's i'm sorry artie lang comedian artie lang is playing santa claus and and buddy the elf will ferrell is exposing him as not the real santa claus because he (laughs) smells like beef and cheese and they have a fight and so uh they both get ejected they have to put in a new santa claus it turns out it's one of these uh, i don't forget his name he's a funny uh black actor and so he's a black dude and he's, sit- and he's sitting there and there's there's comedy in that that they replaced him and the- that's the best they could do they got a black Santa nothing against black Santas and so but my son who has autism and only gets out a few words about this or that he was cracking up when he saw that scene and I go and what's so funny he goes Santa <laughs> he's brown <laughs> Santa <laughs> he's brown and so at first I was like okay I can't having people hear him say he's brown because that's inappropriate on the other hand he got the joke like yeah. Santa is usually white Not now Santa's black isn't that funny um, anyway but with my son um, it you know what it, it, you go in with the best intentions I, I'm not the best person to ask because I was brought up by liberal parents and I remember my mom saying me, me things like like watching something on TV a documentary. she goes David can you believe they didn't let women vote back then and can you believe they didn't let black people sit at the counter and she didn't even have to finish the sentence. I knew what she meant. I, and I was, Mommy, that's awful. And so I always had the, um, <clears throat> I always had the feeling that things were always going to get a little better with every generation, or in your eloquent words, Paul, less shitty. So, but but um, with with my son, he's pretty thoughtful. He's part of this generation that could give a shit about gay marriage. They don't want to debate it because they don't see what the debate is. Most of them. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule. So I have hope. So I feel like I didn't have to counsel him. But I'll ask him questions uh, about you know, what he thought about. He thinks a lot about slavery. And he thinks about, like, we had a whole discussion about how should slaves have been justified in murdering their masters to win their freedom? Hmm. And um, we had a good discussion about that. Hmm. The answer, of course, is yes. <laughs> fucking, fucking kill him. <laughs> Slave owners. <laughs> Screw you. Didn't you see all those Quentin Tarantino movies? Um, anyway. How was that for an answer? That's I don't great, know. Yeah. All right.
3: And I think it's important. Like, I don't want to keep trying, but like, our, this new generation, there is hope, and I see it too, you know? And it makes me realize that it isn't about me. I guess that's the most tangible evidence that I have for that, you know? Yeah. That yeah. it really isn't about me. That even though I struggle with my own insecurities, uncertainties, self doubts, um, bigotry, discrimination, right? that mm-hmm. even if I'm not perfect in absolving myself of all those things, which honestly I'm not going to be able to do. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try. I hope mm-hmm. with the support of my lovely wife and the people oh. around me, I can mm-hmm. do better than I would be able to do myself. But like, I'm not perfect and I never will be. But I think that we can move a little bit closer in the ways like that we educate our children and, and that they don't have to start from where we did. They don't need to be 30 years old and talking about these things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still talking <laughs> about Exactly, it. right?
0: Right, right, right. So Wow. Jesus, that was this was deep. I feel like I should be um, ending the show with music more yeah. refined and <laughs> elegant than my brother's rock band, but I do like the song. Um, at any at any rate, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Lillian. Are you guys on the like the social medias? Do you want to give out a Twitter handle or Instagram handle if people want to shout at you? No, they both said no. no. So tough luck.
2: <laughs> no.
0: No. What's social media? What's social What's media? Instagram? All right, on the next edition of uh, Boston Podcast, why the Asian American community is rejecting social media? <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> thanks to Lillian and Paul. Seriously, this, this is not an easy thing to do to come and and talk about where you come from and diversity and racism and all that. And I'm not sure we got it all right. I, sh- I certainly didn't. But I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Yeah, it was, awesome. was and, and good it
2: was chatting.
0: Great. Awesome. Thank you, Lillian. Thank you, Paul. Thank you to listeners for listening to the Boston Podcast. Find all past episodes at pod617.com. We got other shows on there, too, that are really cool. Check them out. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to share it with a colleague or a friend. Come on. Do us a favor. Do us a solid. Share the pod. Share the love. In pod, we trust people. Enjoy your day, Boston.